Good morning, church. Our scripture for today is Isaiah 43:1. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel. Get this: Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. The scriptures are as are as relevant today as they were then. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. That was uh, Kayla LaPlante. She has, man, she has uh, led the Barntoberfest and all that, done a wonderful, wonderful job. So be sure to tell her. Yes. Thank you. Well, uh, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I really would love the opportunity to meet you after the service and get to know you a little bit better. I don't bite. Sometimes, sometimes I hug, but usually that's more of like a second or third meeting, so you don't have to worry. You can just introduce yourself, so that'll be great. Um, let me tell you where we're at right now. We are in the third week of our Fortify the Family series, and in week one, Steve did a wonderful job talking about our adoption into the family of God. And then last week, my dad did a great job talking about the unity of the family of God. And this week, we had a direction that we were going... Um, however, we're going to take a step back and we're going to leave that for another time. We uh, set our series about six months in advance. We say we think that this is where God is taking us, but we also just leave room for if God is taking us somewhere else. And this is one of those weeks. Uh, so today we'll look uh, a little bit more of a simple message, but after the last series, my head kind of hurt, so... <laughs> It's, it's good for us to just get rooted in the simple gospel here this morning. Now, I wanted to start today off with a good joke, but I forgot to look up a joke. I don't have any, so we're just going to get straight into it. I'll tell you, if you want a good joke, though, talk to Justin Mizell. He, uh, he is the king of the dad joke, so talk with him after the service. But, uh, no, on a serious note, uh, I need to start today off actually with a confession. Uh, last week... I went on vacation, and that's not the confession. Uh, <laughs> reel it in. Come on, reel it in. All right. Um, we went to Myrtle Beach last week, and Morgan's grandmother has a house down there, and we went there and stayed the week, and uh, we went down there on Monday, and we get to about Wednesday, and I realized I haven't really spent a whole lot of time with God since we left for our trip in a couple days. And I kind of evaluate that. I'm like, why is that? Why haven't I spent time with God the past couple of days? And what I realized was that my relationship with Him had become a bit transactional over the last few weeks. You know, when you're a pastor, you, you got a counseling appointment, you need God to speak into that. So, like, you search the scriptures, you pray. And when you got a message to prepare for, you search the scriptures, you pray. If you're going to visit somebody in the hospital, you search the scriptures, you pray. But what happens when you remove all those things? And see, when you're on vacation as a pastor, the transactions kind of stop. And then you're faced with what is the foundation of my relationship with God. And sometime over the past few weeks, my relationship shifted from just being with God, first and foremost, to doing for God or God doing for me. And sadly... That realization doesn't just stop there because if your relationship at the top 
is based on that, then surely and undoubtedly your relationship down below will be based on those same things. And so I found myself with my girls, man, doing the things that I'm supposed to do as a father, right? Get the laundry done, meals, take care of them, stuff like that. But when you're focused just on doing and not being first and foremost, then you miss the big picture of things relationally. I mean, you don't have the, hey, I see you conversations. Hey, I affirm God is doing this in your life. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on with you? I just want to sit here and I just want to be with you. And so in our relationships, when we're focused on uh, doing and not being, then we miss those kinds of conversations. And the same is true in our relationship with God. That if we focus on doing, not being, first and foremost, then we miss the, hey, I am with you conversations. We miss the Isaiah 43.1. Read the second part here again. I have called you by name. You are mine. I mean, we miss that because we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what do you want me to do for you next? Or what are you going to do for me next? And we miss the greater reality present. When I uh, worked as a counselor in the elementary school... There aren't very many men who work in elementary school, so sometimes the younger kids especially would be a little bit intimidated by my presence, which I know sounds crazy, you know, 5'9", 175, right? But to a first grader, I mean, I might as well be Shaq for, you know, all they, all they know. But So when I would call their name, there would be a, an authority behind it. And when they would get to know me a little bit better and know that you know, that I was for them and they didn't have to like do things to, you know, earn my attention and stuff like that. Uh, Some of the kids who were from more of a broken home situation who didn't have a father or a parent at all would very quickly come up to me and say, hey, would you be my father? Would you adopt me? And of course, it always break my heart to have to say no to that. But there was something in them that knew that there, it wasn't within what they could do, it was within the position that they had. It was having a father, it was being adopted into a family, that was going to be the solution over their lives. And for me, I was just a picture into our Heavenly Father adopting us. And that's what's so great about Isaiah 43.1, man, that, that anyone who would call on the name of Jesus can be adopted into the family of God. That is great, great news. And so anybody, anybody could be adopted. And, and, and when do we lose kind of that awestruck wonder of that reality? I mean, when do we lose that? You know, you know, when you first become a Christian, you're like, man, God, anything you want to do, like, let's just go. I don't care because you're with me. I'm with you. We're together. It doesn't matter what it is. Let's just go. And when does that end? And by the way, if we want to be focused on doing It has to come from our being anyway. That is the fuel source. That's what David says. He says, uh, my cup overflows. Out of the overflow of being with God, that's where he was able to do. See, our doing ought to simply flow from our being. But somewhere along the way, man, we just can get a little civilized in our faith. You know, that, that childlike wonder goes away. And now we're in big trouble because the enemy really capitalizes on this moment. 
He really wants our relationship with God to focus on doing and not being. He even tries this with Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 4, 3. It says this, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, that's his state of being, that's his position. Tell these stones to become bread. That's the doing. And again, in verse 6, he says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down off this temple. If you are the Son of God, you will do blank. That is his temptation right there. And you can undoubtedly know that he tries this same thing with us. If you want to be a good Christian, don't you know you have to do blank? If you want to be a good mother, like the ones you see on social media, you know, they put their highlight reel out there. If you want to be just like that mom, then you've got to do just the same things that she's doing. Otherwise, you're just not a very good mom. That's the battle plan. That's what the enemy does. And now because of that, because of that pressure that we're allowing him to put on us, now we just go to God simply to relieve that pressure. To say, God, please just work in this so that I can be doing good enough. God, please change some things or tell me what I need to do to change some things around. And instead of just saying, God, man, I just want to be with you. Now we're relieving that pressure that the enemy has put on us. And he's got us right where he wants us because now we're focused on doing and not being. See, the doing has to first and foremost come from our being. And that's how our doing happens anyway. That Christmas gift, you know, I got, I got to get Christmas in there, right? I mean, now at least we're getting kind of close to it. When I mention it, it's not so awkward. But that Christmas gift becomes a bit easier to go and get when you've spent time with somebody and you know them. That's where the energy came from. And now you can certainly realize that good things, like celebrating Christmas, can become transactional very quick, and that's the enemy's playbook. So instead of really enjoying the fact that God came down from heaven and God is with us, now it becomes about the gifts It becomes heavy, right, because your friend, last year, they got you a gift that clearly was more expensive than what you got them, so this year you've got to make sure that you up your game, but yet my wallet's a little bit thin and I'm a little concerned and stressed financially, but I don't want them to think I don't care about them, but I also think that this whole thing is just dumb anyway, what do I do? Anybody? And now you're just overwhelmed. Because it's become transactional. And that's exactly the enemy's playbook. Right there. That's it. Now you're robbed of the joy of celebrating Christmas because it's become transactional. Man, the thing that's great about Christmas is that God came down from heaven and dwelled with us. That's good news. I mean, are you kidding me? God, on the highest throne, came to be born in a bucket of slop where animals eat from? Nearby drunken shepherds in Podunkville. That's the reality. And then he went to die on a cross. And then Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from his love. That's where our focus has to be. And when our focus is there, man, that's when we have fuel for our souls to do anything at all. And man, we kid ourselves to think we can really accomplish much anyway. With our doing, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this. 
For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, we sit in that reality, and as we sit in that reality, now God can do His work within us. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God who works in you. Let's just focus on that one part right there. For it is God who works in you. It's never even about our doing at all. It's about us being with Him and make ourse- making ourselves available For God to work in us. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works. And it is never about our doing. It's about his doing. See, the enemy wants us to enter into transactional relationships. And you don't have to be a pastor in order to get caught in this mentality. It can very quickly become... God, my foundation for my relationship with you is God, help my marriage. God, help my health issues. God, help my friend. We can become like um, the the people in Matthew 21 where they, they get the palm branches and they just proclaim, Hosanna, 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 which means save us, save us, save us. We could say, Hosanna, God save me from this situation. Hosanna, intercede. Hosanna, intervene. And that's the foundation. By the way, that's not a bad prayer at all. That's a good prayer. It just makes for a crummy relational foundation. Or maybe some of us come in today and and we're like the Luke 19 Pharisee who's like, God, thank you that I'm doing so much for you. I mean, aren't I great? And Jesus says what? God didn't hear that prayer. Right? Right? Or maybe we come in like Luke 10, Martha, it's, and this is probably most of us right here, is that we worry sick that we're not doing enough for him. So she's preparing the environments, man, she's working so hard, she's just grinding it out, and she's like, Jesus, all Mary's doing is just being with you. I mean, what's that about? I'm over here working hard, right? Don't I get some affirmation here, some approval for what I'm doing for you, Man, a lot of us, we just sit in that reality. We just say, I just, I just want to know that I'm doing enough for you. But we could never do enough. And I just got caught in this mentality over the last few weeks of just do, do, do. Man, whatever happened to that childlike mentality of just awe and wonder at God? I mean, I just can't believe I get to be with you. I mean, what an amazing reality that I just get to sit in your presence and watch you do work in my life. Whatever happened to that mentality? That's where we've got to be. We want to be about being and not doing. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 10. I found this so interesting this week, and I hesitated to even mention this because you get some weird theology with it, but we're just going to go for it. Verses 19 and 20, it says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, set aside like snake handling and all these wild interpretations that could come with this, all right? Let's focus on what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, man, don't get so pumped up about the things that I've given you authority to do. Get excited about the fact that your names are written in heaven. 
that God has called you by name. That's what we get excited about. That's where our fuel source comes from. We just say, God, I'm so thankful that my, names are, my name is written in heaven, and I get to dwell in your dwelling place forever. Man, that's the good news. That's the good news. It is about our being, not our doing. It is our being that opens it up for him to do within us. So, the question really is, how do we get back into that mentality? Well, priority number one, two, three, four, and five this week is to slow down and spend some time in silence. And we got to spend some alone time with God, just to sit in his presence. Uh, I think it was uh, Mother Teresa who said, and if it's not, like, I could be wrong on this, but I think it was Mother Teresa who said, she was interviewed, and um, the interviewer asked her, like, when you spend time with God, what do you say? And she said, well, I don't say anything, I just listen. And then the interviewer said, well, okay, well, what does he say? And she said, well, he doesn't say anything, he just listens. And I thought, what a good picture, right? Like, like, a, like an old couple who's been together 70 years and they just sit on their front porch rocking chairs and they just watch the sun go down, they just don't say a word. That's the relationship here. When you're so comfortable with somebody that you just, you can just sit in their presence. That's what we're talking about. Take some time this week. Just sit in the presence of God. And by the way, some of us, you're like me, man. I just got to get stuff done. And so you say, I can't just do nothing. But sitting in silence is not doing nothing. It's sitting in silence. (laughs) That's what we've got to understand, right? This is the fuel source for which we can do anything else that day. And man, some of us, we're tired we're worn down. We want to do the right things. We want to love our families. We want to be available to people. And yet we're just so wrung out. And it starts by taking some time to just be in his presence. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, a pastor in New York, he says it like this. We cannot give what we do not possess. And we cannot help but give what we do possess. And that's really important. Some of us might be trying to give out energy that we just don't have. And to acquire that energy, it starts with time with him in his presence. Psalm 46.10 says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. Perhaps that's one of the most underrated verses for us to dwell in. Right? Because we can't really know God or know that he is God until we've taken time to silence the other sounds in our lives and to just be still in his presence. That's so important this week. Be still and know that I am God. You know, uh, last week was such a good week for me in my faith. I just, to, to get away and to understand that, you know what, my relationship with God is not where it ought to be. And maybe there are people in your life where they can speak into some of these things. And just say, very simply, you you remember when you first became a Christian and you were just so pumped up? Man, God is with you. Dwell in that reality. And that's our invitation here today. Um, I remember one time one of my girls, and again, I've I've pledged not to say their names on here just to not have to go to counseling on my behalf. But um, this way, if, if all three of them have to go, at least they're going together, right? Uh, but uh, this is why I have to stick to my notes. I can't say things like that. But I remember um, one of my daughters, she was so excited to get a puzzle uh, coming in the mail. And, 
And it was taking a long time, and every, every morning she would wake up, is it here yet, is it here yet, is it here yet? She was so excited to do these puzzles in, uh, that were coming in. And finally it comes in, and it's right before I head off to work. And she says, you know what, I think I would like to wait to do this puzzle until you get back home later. I think that will make it more special. And I said, well, that's, that's really sweet. Okay, you know, when we get home, we'll do it. Well, I get home, and unfortunately, I had a deadline at 8 o'clock that night that I had to just keep working. When I, as soon as I got home, I had to keep working to meet that deadline. And I said to her, I said, listen, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to do this puzzle with you. I'm just so sorry. I won't be able to do it. But just go ahead. Just go ahead and do it. And what she said really stood out to me in that moment. She said, well... Daddy, instead of doing the puzzle with you, can I help you do some work right now? And that's when it hit me that it really was never about the puzzle. The puzzle was a means to time with me. And that's really the point here. My question as we leave today is, did that kind of mentality ever stop with you and your father? I mean, did that mentality of, God, you, you, you want to go... Storm hell today? Fine, let's do it. You want to go? You want me to live as a missionary? Let's go. You want me to sell all my possessions? I'm in. I mean, do you want me to expose that sin habit that I just feel like, man, it, my world will just be caving in if I expose it? I got you. It doesn't matter what we do. You want me to just faithfully and lovingly and joyfully serve my family today? I'm in. I mean, you, you want me to just sit in silence this morning and just recognize the fact that you're with me? I'm in. It just doesn't matter what we do anymore. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. Whatever you say, it's yes, I just want to be with you. You're with me and I'm with you. Let's go. That's the mentality we've got to get back to. And now we're ready for whatever it is that God wants to do. You want to go to work? You want to do a puzzle? Let's just do it. Today, we're reminded that we are His. I mean, what, what more could we ever need or want? Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful for who you are. I mean, we're just so thankful that that we get to be in your presence. You, you go from the highest places and you, and you dwell with us because you love us and you just want to be with us. And Father, if there's anybody that doesn't know that reality here this morning, I pray that you'll make it abundantly clear. Holy Spirit, just invade this place right now like only you can. We love you very much. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The altars are open. I'd love to pray with you as well. Let's stand and worship.